following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones and Mickey Spagnola. Welcome into another edition of Mix Shots on this beautiful Thursday morning. We've got a lot of great stuff coming your way. I'm Danny Sarek alongside two of the Cowboys greats, Mickey Spagnola and Everson Walls. Now we are doing this uh, virtually. We're following the social distancing rules, making sure everyone is safe. So I got to check in with you guys during this quarantine. How have you guys been holding up so far? Well, I think pretty well. Um, you know, being able to uh, work at home and do basically everything we would do in the office. The only downside is, is we don't bump into anybody to talk to uh, <laughs> to get some information on getting ready for this draft. But uh, other than that, you know, we're still doing our <clears throat> podcasts and uh, still uh, feeding the monster, DallasCowboys.com. So still writing and, uh, yeah, kind of staying busy, although uh, you don't get a chance to talk to many people. You know, I've been doing okay here on this end. I'm working out a lot. Oh, my God. Spags, you and I, we're going to have a little contest when it's all said and done. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll have, have a, tour, a to, tour to North Texas, right? We're going to start off with an ab contest. I'm going to see what your abs no, look like I first. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. Who could do more crunches? Oh, my gosh. Spags, I'm glad you guys are staying Spags busy. Spags going to come back looking like a... a, a a doggone buffed up little uh, chihuahua or something coming up there, man. You're going to scare me, bro. I can't believe you're getting in shape. Was that a, I'm was proud that a of compliment to call him a little chihuahua? Yeah, I, I don't think so, right? <laughs> Yesterday I rode my bike out into the country and, and uh, I went down some roads that I'd never been on before and I was like, I don't know where I'm at right now, and I don't know if I've gone too far to get back in one piece. So, But it all worked out. It ended up being a, a huge circuit, and it's amazing, you guys, out this way, um, this part of uh, North, Tex or North uh, Texas here, uh, the amount of uh, country that's out here, the amount of horse farms, oh, yeah. and the mansions that are out here. I just want to know what these people do for a living. <laughs> They're stealing spags. <laughs> they steal. That's how they They're got it. They stole the money. <laughs> I've seen no. I've seen more equestrian centers that, and I ever knew that. I knew there was one or two out here, but there must be six or seven. It's amazing, but it's great to be out on those country roads. No one's bothering you, and I'm within. I'm not within six feet of anybody. I guarantee you. There you go. You're oh, following yeah. the I'm, rules. <laughs> Love that, Mickey. Back out there with nature. But I know you've been uh, watching some TV, too. You've been watching some of those old games that have been re-airing? Yeah, I actually, uh, uh, yesterday, it was the first time. See, I got to go to the national championship game, the LSU-Clemson game. So I never saw the game on television. I never heard the commentary. And so yesterday, I, I it was on, and I said, oh, let me watch it. And I think I watched the majority of the uh, the second half, and uh, the one thing I was surprised about in the third quarter, and remember, and Everson, you jump in on here, but Clemson had a pretty good defense, and uh, in that third quarter, they were starting to give LSU a little problems, 
and uh, Burrow wasn't completing every pass, right? And I heard the guys say, well, I don't know. Joe looks like he might be ill. He, he's, he's, I don't know if he's hurt. He's not playing well. He might be sick. And I'm sitting there watching this, and as the game continued, I, I said the only sick thing about it were the dimes he was dropping on his receivers. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Some of those touchdown passes, right? Uh, well, you but know, it was when you look at that whole that. game, Spags, you look at the entire game. That was some amazing football. You had two great quarterbacks, and once again, we talked about the wide receivers, the studs that they had in that game on both sides. That was something that was very impressive. That was one of the more talent-ridden, uh, exciting uh, playoff games I think I've ever seen in college football. Yeah, and they were they were starting to give Lawrence, uh, the Clemson quarterback, a hard time. And I'm going, yeah, the reason he's having a hard time is that the LSU front is getting after him. Uh, he didn't have a lot of time in the pocket. So it was kind of good to go back and, and watch that. And then, uh, Danny, the other thing I watched, uh, and it was on last Saturday, they showed uh, it was a replay of all the Peyton's places. The half-hour shows that they were showing. I uh, love weekly. those. And I had never seen one of them because they were on ESPN Plus, and I don't have it. So they were broadcasting these on ESPN. And I started watching one or two or three. And then I said, you know what? I don't know how many there are, but I'm going to record the whole series. So I just kind of <laughs> I binge-watched like half of them. What and, did you uh, learn, Spags? Tell me what you learned. Well, here's the one I did learn, and, and it was about the – uh, the Lombardi Trophy, because I, I had forgotten that, you know, once they came up with the trophy in those first years of the Super Bowls, uh, it wasn't called the Lombardi Trophy, right? It was called something like the uh, professional World Professional Football Championship, and they inscribed that on the trophy, and it was a traveling trophy. It was like the Stanley Cup, so the winner got to keep it for a year with the team's name on it. Uh, and then in 1970... When they uh, they decided after Vince Lombardi passed away after his one year coaching the Redskins, uh, they decided to name the trophy the Lombardi Trophy. So the first year of the Lombardi Trophy uh, was actually 1970, and it dawned on me when I saw that I said, "Oh, the Cowboys had an opportunity to win the first Lombardi Trophy since they were in Super Bowl five. They ended up losing to Baltimore, uh, 16 to 13, and." Uh, they could have, and, and that's when they finally gave the trophy away. So they had made a new one every year. Uh, and the the funny thing, and this is certainly what I didn't know for sure. Uh, it, and, and Everson, you'll remember this in 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 the uh, in like midnight in 1984, the Baltimore Colts <laughs> left uh, Baltimore for Indianapolis, right? Uh, and, and no one knew they were leaving. They just kind of took off. Uh, and yeah, that were, was way before social media. Uh, right, space. yeah. They yeah. couldn't get away with that now. There's yeah. no way they could get away with that Which, now. Which, by the way, all you, you, all you recall was uh, Mayflower trucks being moved and packed up. That's yeah. all that they showed. That in the dead of night, they snuck out in the dead of night. That was one of the more classless moves, I think, by any organization until Modell came. And, and reversed it <laughs> and, did the and opposite, went to right? Baltimore from Cleveland. <laughs> so do you remember that happening? Like, were you shocked when you heard a team that you, you probably could play move to Indianapolis? 
That, that was a low blow. I was shocked. I, I think the entire sports world was shocked because they just couldn't believe that a team would, would first of all, be able to do it under, oh my, under cover of darkness, which it just seemed like such a, uh, a sneaky way. Could you imagine if a brother <laughs> had to, to pay his bills and he, he, he just leaves his apartment right. without paying his bills? Come on, they'd be looking for <laughs> they'd be looking for them all over. Or what if the Chargers just decided, okay, tonight we're leaving San Diego for L.A. We'll yeah. see. Be right at dawn. Yeah, and you know, Danny. And the funny thing was, is so they were awarded the Lombardi Trophy, uh, and in their agreement with the city, when they left, they left the the, the they decided uh, the city of Baltimore said, no, that trophy's ours. It's not yours. <laughs> And so they left the trophy behind. And, oh my gosh! And when I, when I mean, Peyton, come on, tell me that's Cleveland going to Baltimore? That's the same thing. Same that thing, right? Nineteen ninety four, ninety five. It's the, right. They left just all the reverse. records behind, right? And so that's right. Cleveland would not let them Start take fresh. anything. When they couldn't Peyton, take anything. When Peyton was trying to do the story on the trophy, uh, they basically show said, "Okay, we'll show you where we're keeping the trophy." And it was in the basement of the Babe Ruth they Museum. They still have the trophy? Yes, it's still it's in a and basement. It's not on display. It's down <laughs> in a basement just sitting on a table. And I was like, okay, That's this, a waste. Is, this is too good. So th- th- those were some of the things uh, I think I learned. And then, now here's the other one, and I don't know, Everson, if you'll remember this, uh, but that year when the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl, uh, they ended up with a two-game losing streak kind of mid-season. Uh, and in the big showdown against uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, who were in first place at the time, uh, the Cowboys at the Cotton Bowl get wiped out 38 to nothing. I like they turned the ball over six times. And now, after nine games, they're sitting there five and four. And everybody is giving the team grief, right? They're under fire this is a team that was supposed to be really good, and they're sitting there at 5-4, and four, and Tom Landry goes, well, the only way we're going to get in the playoffs is if we win the last five games in a row. And they won the last five they games won, in they a sure row. They sure did. Yes, um, they did. Finished 10-4, and four and in the first round of the playoffs, beat Detroit, just pummeled them 5 to nothing. <laughs> they win the net. They win the NFC Championship game, seventeen to ten over San Francisco. Tom Landry. Tom Landry called that uh, Detroit game the most dominating defensive effort he's ever seen by a doomsday defense. Yeah, and that's was at their height, right? And that's kind of uh, they they were. You had you had it. Mel Renfro back there doing his thing, doing his Deion Sanders thing. You had Cornell Green playing both safety and corner at that time. I, I, don't, I think he got, I'm not sure if he got all pro at safety that year or if he got all pro at cornerback that year, but that he was such a diverse player for the Cowboys. That's when you had the versatility, you had the talent, and you had the scheme all in one. That was a perfect storm for the Dallas Cowboys defense at that time. That's, when, that's really when Doomsday became alive. Right, and then, you know, they go into the Super Bowl and they basically hold Baltimore to 16 points and they get beat 16-13, mm-hmm. but and there really, was a let's controversial not, let's not give play them 16. at the end, wasn't there? Thank you, yes. That's so, where you well, Mickey, had the, uh, the John Mackey, the John Mackey double, double tap, uh, double tip, so to speak. You, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, 
You couldn't tip the ball to a to your own player. Right. Right. And that's how it went, Spags. Yes. So they tipped the ball. John Mackey caught it, went 70 plus yards. Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris going crazy out on the field. <laughs> but they didn't take it back. No replay at that time, of course. So right. a mistake is a mistake. It stood. So that's how close the Cowboys came to winning the first Lombardi trophy. And then we know what happened after that. They went back to the Super Bowl the next year and won the, the first championship. Well, I, I tell you, Dallas. with me, I've uh, I've been so bored around here. So I decided to stroke my ego one day, uh, Danny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so What'd course, you do, 19, Emerson? 1981 was, was, you know, that's the, the my rookie year. I get 11 picks. No one's got 11 interceptions since that year. That's a long time ago. So I go back, and I think I'm going to get my, my ego stroke. And all I see was all the times I was getting toasted, right? <laughs> every, every time I looked up, I'm like, I forgot about that play. Oh, my God. I forgot about that touchdown. Wow, I forgot I gave up those many yards in that particular game. So at first, you know, I started trying to fast forward to my interceptions. That, that took too long. And so uh, <laughs> I started calling people. I just started calling the guys that were toasting me. So I called Harold Carmichael, and I cursed him out. Oh uh, I called Roy Green. I called him an old goat, and I didn't mean that in a, in a uh, complimentary way. Uh, <laughs> I was just calling everybody. That, I called everybody that beat me. I was so I got caught up with a lot of guys. We had some good conversations. That's after I ended up uh, after I cursed them out. Uh, I ended up we well, ended I'm, up having great conversations, having a good time. But that's what I've been doing: going back on YouTube, watching old cowboy games, and uh, reliving those moments. And you know, it's 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 good, of course, uh, just to to see those those old memories. But man, you look at the guys that are not here. And that kind of really took me took me back a little bit as, as far as the guys that are gone now and the guys that are, you know, that are kind of sick right now. And it's just so amazing when you look at the history of the Cowboys and, and, and just my own brief history here in Dallas. Uh, and you look at the, your teammates that you, you uh, had that bond with. You look at your foes that you actually had relationships with as well post-career. And uh, it really made me kind of connect a lot with the people that uh, that I had played with and played against. I called Tony Hill. Uh, who else did I call? I called Billy Joe Dupree. I was just calling everybody, and you know, just having a good time, just making some calls. So that's my that's been my connection through this entire coronavirus thing. You should have you should have given Tony Dorsett a call. It was his birthday on Tuesday. <laughs> You're right. You're so right. I should have given him a call. You're so right you about found that. these things. They're 40 years old, and you found the. Oh yeah, the you game? go on YouTube and find anything. The, the my my shame is my shame is on YouTube up and down the line. <laughs> That's good. Well, Mickey, um, I have some homework for you for next week. Uh, for the Payne's places, you need to go watch the Emmett Smith one. I did. I the one that they did with Emmett uh, Favre and Eric Dickerson was it that one? Um. I can't remember if it was all three of them. I remember watching it like on social media when it they put it out a couple months ago. But he has the storage unit, and it's got oh, no, like, all I saw these that football. One. You did yeah. see that one, okay? Yes, I yeah, did. I like that great. one. And that's and Peyton uh, Everson, Peyton asked him. He goes, "So, is there something in here I can take as a souvenir?" He goes, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> but but the story is Emmett when he, when he first started, he he would he would keep every touchdown ball. That he scored. I remember. 
and they yes. put it in. And then his dad uh, in Pensacola, um, he he, uh, he opened up a, and this was at the at the advent of trading cards, and so he opened up basically a souvenir shop, uh, and they had all the balls there, and Emmett would just keep storing them in boxes and yeah. had to get a storage unit because he had so many touchdowns. Yeah, it was a pretty cool that was a that was a, one of the uh, pretty cool stories, absolutely. They also showed the one about making the football and they walked into the lady who was sewing them by hand and she was shocked that Peyton was standing there. Yeah, it was pretty good stuff. You're exactly right. I used to, I used to keep all my interceptions uh, from my, my rookie year. Uh-huh. And I found out that uh, I would, if you give them away to charity, you know, they would bid on them. Right. And so pretty much uh, I'd say nine out of the first 11 interceptions I, I gave away to charity. That's I kept awesome. my first one. I kept my first one. And uh, I don't know. Oh, the other one I, I gave to my nephews. So, yeah, it's, it's all torn up. Did they make you pay for them? <laughs> No, they did not make you pay for <laughs> Hey, eventually we pay for everything, okay? <laughs> well, you You're did a better pay. You did a better job than Drew did after he caught the Hail Mary, ended up throwing the ball out at the stadium and they never found the football again. It, you you oh, know what? No. That is one of the most controversial things ever. Someone has that ball. Absolutely. Okay. Someone mm-hmm. ha- you would think they would come out with it, but they were so mad in Minnesota. <laughs> um, they may have gone home and thrown it into the fireplace or something. <laughs> or, or they blew it or up. Deflated it two, or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, well, real quick, going back, Mickey, when you were watching that uh national you were watching that title game with LSU, there's a, you were talking about the defense. And they have yes. got some amazing defensive players going into the draft this year. And you kind of touched on uh, that front defensive line. But there is a player in the secondary who is a really top candidate for the Cowboys with that 17th pick. And I'm sure, Everson, you have a lot to touch on uh, talking about safety Grant Delpit. Yeah, I saw where Gil Brandt, uh, Cowboys uh, former personnel director, and he's still keeping a hand in the – NFL after all these years uh, said that when they asked him who do you think the best safety is in, in the draft and he said Grant Delpit uh, LSU uh, and yeah he's a good one in Everson I understand that uh, you know maybe a little bit about the Mr. Delpit well I, you know I, I've got my uh, connections in, in New Orleans uh, my college roommates from New Orleans and of course that's my second family down there. And they talked about uh, the Delphine family and, and uh, how prominent they are in the city. Uh, talked about how this young kid came up, even, even from, a, from an early age, he was always a stud. And when you looked at how he played in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs, I was impressed with how he challenged uh, the receivers uh, for Clemson. I had never seen anyone challenge receivers the way he was down the field. He took the proper angles. He was very anticipatory on, on every play that, that uh, was coming down the pipe. Now, of course, they were able to, uh, Clemson was able to get some good plays down the field because they have amazing players at the wide receiver position. But when you look at his play, not only is he adept at playing the ball, he's also a very physical 
an aggressive defensive back. Uh, right now, you would have to give him, I, I think he's the top defensive back in the draft. That's, I, I thought that as soon as I saw him play because the ball skills were evident. Uh, his, there was no confusion out there. He was never out of position. And of course, there were times when the ball, there were plays still made on him, but that's just the way it was in that particular game because you had talent all over the field. But he even stood out amongst all of that talent. And that says a lot about him when you're looking at a game that just possessed so many great athletes in that game. Yeah, and if you look at Cowboy needs, you know, and gosh, that's a that's a whole segment, right? A whole probably show because <laughs> there's so many needs, right? And, you know, and safety's one of them, uh, cornerbacks one of them. Uh, yeah, and, and and he was awfully aggressive against the run. Now, Gill said one of his one of his weaknesses is sometimes he doesn't tackle real well, takes bad angles. He goes, but that's teachable. You could cure that. He goes, but the the coverage skills and his ability just to play that safety position, uh, he, he considers him that the the best guy uh, there. And uh, I thought that was uh, awfully interesting. Well, in years past, the Cowboys haven't used those early draft picks on safeties or cornerbacks. But you know now we have a new coaching staff, so really anything is up for grabs. And defensive back is definitely a unit where the Cowboys are needing to add some depth. Um, we will have more discussion, though, coming up about the draft and some of the players and things that are going on. And we've actually got a really great interview, a, a behind-the-scenes look at one of the virtual interviews the Cowboys are having to conduct now that everyone is social distancing. So uh, stay with us. We'll have a behind-the-scenes interview right after this. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer, where you buy the latest generation of transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses. You can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back, back, back. to Mick Shots.
Welcome back to Mix Shots. Today means that we are two weeks away from the NFL Draft. And just a reminder that you can get your draft coverage the Cowboys way with the official 2020 Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine Draft Guide. Featuring an exciting new look, the guide includes all the information and analysis you need for the Cowboys' upcoming draft. Get your digital copy today for only $4.95. You can find out more on dallascowboys.com forward slash star. And that's got a lot of great stuff. There's more than 320 players listed. There's mock drafts. Writing from the great DallasCowboys.com writers. I mean, that, that draft guide really has everything you need to know getting you ready for the draft in just two short weeks. And just the way that we are doing this podcast virtually, the Cowboys and all the other NFL teams are having to start conducting everything moving forward virtually. They no longer were able to have pro days. They're not able to bring in players for official visits. So they're having to do all those behind the scenes. And Mickey, it's been pretty cool seeing the way that at least the Cowboys have been conducting these. We've seen some of them go on the Dallas Cowboys social media this past week. Yeah, you guys, it, it's it's pretty neat. You know, I was wondering how this stuff was going to work. Well, uh, the ones that we've been able to see uh, basically has Jerry Jones sitting on a couch in one of his rooms at his house, and he's got a, a huge video screen up on the wall. And basically, they're doing what we're doing right now. Everybody uh, that's uh, involved in the interview has a little box up there. And, Danny, I don't know if you'll remember this, but it looks like Hollywood Squares, right? The old TV show uh, with everybody in a box. Hey, I know that. I know okay, that. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know the, how. I've watched, yep. you know, Mickey, I've watched those vintage shows. All right, very good. <laughs> We got old school hey, hey, with she has the Game Show seen. Networks bags. Yeah, yeah, she has the Game Show Network. Right. <laughs> anyway, so they got Jerry, and, and they're showing the screen, and they've got uh, Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator, McCarthy's up there, uh, Harris, the DB coach, uh, Will McClay. So there was like six or seven people involved in it, and the, the one that stuck out to me uh, was they were doing the interview with Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. Uh, who, by the way, when I watched uh, Oklahoma games and I saw this number eight and I go, I don't know who he is, but I want number eight on my football team. (laughs) He's a linebacker, right? Uh, And and he's awfully good. So they conducted uh, an interview uh, with him on there, and it was one of the more amazing answers that I've heard a football player give to a Jerry Jones question, and I thought it would be great if we just played it for you guys uh, because just to try to summarize it, I, I don't think I could do it justice. So let's hear uh, Jerry Jones along with Kenneth Murray. Let me ask one that I, I, I ask it uh, frequently this way. If you can come up with a, uh, a setback, if you could come up with where you had to really call on yourself at any time in your life, when you were young, you were uh, uh, kicked around, what do you think uh, uh, gave you a lot of the, 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 uh, the setbacks or the controversy or the challenge that might have helped you be a, a football player you are? Well, uh, you know, Situation that I'm that I that I that I like to talk about, and that's made me who I am on the field and off the field. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's more so a setback. Um, I, I say it's more so a blessing. I mean, you know, if you look at it the way I am, the way you know my family has, you know, it is a blessing. So, um, 
you know, for me, I learned, you know, how to be selfless at extremely, extremely young age, how to, what true gratitude is at extremely young age because of what I went through. And so, um, you know, when, when I was growing up, um, my mom and my dad, you know, they, 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 they did some things that, that were, were true acts of selfless, self, selflessness. And so um, around the age of 11, my parents uh, adopted three special needs kids. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, a unique situation for us um, because, you know, the disease that they had um, was, was, was extremely, extremely rare. Um, only one other set of children had it in the world. Um, and so you know, that that pushed my parents into, you know, going to 25, 30 doctor's appointments a week um, just to, you know, be able to get the kids the, the proper help that they need to get them, um, you know, you know, started and, and get them the help that they needed. And so, um, you know, you know, going through all that stuff and that that, that was a time where you know, my parents were leaning on me a lot, um, given that I was the oldest. And so, you know, I was the kid that, you know, basically, you know, my parents, anytime they needed anything, anytime they needed, um, you, know, you know, things to be done, you know, I was the oldest child. I was the one that everybody was looking to. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a setback. I would say it was a blessing because, you know, at that, at that age, you know, it, it really really forced me to be, you know, what, what, what you guys see on the field now, which is, you know, the product of a, of a kid that's a go-getter, product of a kid that, that just goes out um, and, and just and just gets it for himself. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, I've always been a self-starter. Um, you know, I've never been somebody that, that, that needs to be started. You know, I've always been the guy that's, that's been the first in the building, the last one out. I mean, I think that's a direct byproduct of, of just how I came up and, I had to go through as a kid, uh, and you know, you know, early on, you know, I was, you know, I, I tell you on top that I raised three kids already because you know you just got to grow up fast. Um, you know, you know, going through that type of situation and, and my parents, you know, basically, you know, being going from one lifestyle to a complete, a completely other type of lifestyle, and so, um, you know, for that, for us, you know, it was, it was definitely a unique situation, um, and it's definitely a, a situation that has molded me and, and made me who I am today. These interviews are so important because it's not just that the Cowboys want to make sure they're drafting a player who can perform well on the field, but they're also trying to get a feel for who these guys are as people off the field and get a sense of their true character. And when you hear Kenneth Murray talk about his family like that and how he stepped up as a young kid, I'm not sure how you don't want someone like him on your team. I'll tell you what, that's one of the best answers I think I've, I've ever heard uh, a player give off the cuff uh, because he didn't really... Uh, have a setback to refer to. He talked about what kind of made him the person he is uh, on the field, the, the leader he is. And Everson, I think when, when guys are like that, you sit there and you go, okay, this guy can play, but he's also probably a pretty quality person. Well, you know, Danny said it right. When you talk about character, you know, we, we talk about grades in school. We talk about uh, evaluations and 40 yard dashes and how high you jump and all of this you know a lot of being a good football player for a long period of time most of the time those players have good character they have something else that that drives them other than football and you could just tell in Murray's case that uh, this guy was always motivated 
by things other than sports. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're uh, burdened, uh, for lack of a better term, with that kind of responsibility, and you come through it on the other side a better person, to me that just says all about what, what Murray's all about. Uh, it lets you know that this guy is someone that you can depend on, hopefully, to do things well uh, off the field that will allow you to be a better football player on the field. And that, that sounds a little cheeky, that sounds a little corny, but that stuff is real. That's why you have longevity with guys like a Bob Lilly or, you know, we went way back, uh, guys that, that played a long time with, with the Cowboys, guys like Tutal Jones, you know, now you're talking about Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman. These guys had, they, they were, there were things more important to them or as important to them uh, other than football that kept them uh, to be good football players. You know, Everson, and you're so right, you know, and I realized, um, gosh, you know, I coming out of college, basically I was around a lot of college uh, football players. And then uh, my first job uh, covering uh, some sports for a newspaper, uh, I was close to the Atlanta area, and I was able to uh, cover some of the Atlanta Falcons games. And the more I was around some of those professional athletes, uh, and I realized how sharp they were. It's like, okay, now I understand why these guys are playing at this level. And it's not everybody, but the majority of the guys I ran into, they were character guys. They, they could give you an answer like that, and it was like, okay, that's why these guys are around the league. And as I got around it more and more, I kind of understood. And that's why this time of the, of the offseason, getting ready for the draft is so important because – what they would do, you would do this one-on-one in a meeting, but I always thought the interview process was uh, as important, if not more, than watching a guy work out, because you've seen him play, you've seen him on tape, uh, but the character, I think, is awfully important. There, there are time spags when you've got a player who, you know, he may not be that, uh, that uh, A-category player. He may not be that player, but he might be on that B-level. So the interview itself in that case will make all of the difference, even more so than a player like Murray, who you know is going to be a number one pick. You know, you got those guys down there, second, second rounders, you know, high third rounders. Those interviews, those interviews will make all the difference in the world because that could be that, uh, that X factor that, this, that where a, a, a team will say, you know what, instead of me taking this kid who's an amazing player, but he doesn't have much upstairs or doesn't have much going on otherwise, I think I'm going to move up and take a chance on this guy. And most of the time, those kind of players work out. So I know you didn't get drafted. Did you get any inter- pre-draft interviews? Heck no, I didn't get no interviews, man. What are you talking about? I, I didn't even get an interview for Willie Brown, and he was from Grambling. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, after they saw my 40-yard dash, they were like, okay, uh, moving on. I st- <laughs> So, <laughs> they stopped. They just made a brief stop at Alice's Diner in downtown Grambling, and they kept moving on. And that was it. So were there? Were there? When you got drafted, were there seventeen rounds, or was it down to twelve by then? Oh no, still it was only twelve. It was 12. only twelve. But they held. They held six on first day, six on second day. So did? How did the Cowboys uh, contact you then? Well, they. I think if I'm not mistaken, they sent Jethro uh, Pugh. Uh, sent Jethro Pugh. Uh, no, no, it was either Jethro Pugh or it was Wooden. But I remember one of them came, and uh, 
they came on the first day of the draft. So with a free agent contract, by the way, <laughs> which was I thought the timing was kind of off there. We're still we're still on the first day of the draft, and you're coming to me with a free agent contract. You can tell the future. So I was I was done. I was done. <laughs> And, and did, did you get any other offers from any other teams, or was this? this I, I got an offer from Buffalo at the time, and I got a, an offer at the time from the Aints, which oh, really? were the Saints. They were the Saints, but you know yeah. that's when the bad that's when the bag thing was going on. Now, a little tidbit about that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking down on the Saints because they were just horrible at the time. And, of course, the Cowboys, well, that was going to be the place I was going to be because, to me, it was the devil you know. I mean, I knew the Cowboys organization was tough to deal with, but I knew about them. And so when you're talking about going to the Saints, I was like, there's no way I'm going to that team. Well, they ended up being one of the better defenses in the history <laughs> of the 1980s for four linebackers. I think all of them were, uh, are Hall of Famers. And so it just lets you know that uh, – uh, it, maybe if I would have gone there, you never know what, what would have happened. But when you're yeah. a free agent, when you well, are you might free not agent, be on the show, Everson. I just had to you say, you went know. there, you might you not be know. on the show. But if you're a free agent, though, at that time, you want to go to an organization that's going to be accountable. When you go to a 1-15 Saints team, you don't expect accountability. So that's why the Cowboys were the easy choice. What was your signing bonus? Oh, it was uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Wait, let me let me say it, let me say it differently. Let me say it differently. It was one thousand five hundred dollars. That makes it sound like it's a bigger number. That sounds so, yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. it sounds better. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, I gotta say, I'm glad that uh, the Cowboys and the other NFL teams are still finding a way to get these interviews done, especially because of the combine. Yes. They cut the amount of interviews that the teams were able mm-hmm. to conduct this year. So. It's nice to know that they're able to still get this done uh, to lead to that draft process. Uh, Real quick, I want to hear from you guys. Um, This past week, Rex Ryan kind of went viral. He was definitely trending on Twitter. Uh, He had some comments to say when he was talking about how Dak Prescott uh, hasn't been, he hasn't signed a new deal, but other players, specifically Amari Cooper, got a new deal before him. So he was kind of saying he doesn't like that. However, when he was talking about how Amari Cooper didn't perform so well on the road, he ended up also uh, kind of talking pretty poorly about his character, which people were not a fan of. Were you guys able to hear his comments? Yeah, I read them. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, a typical Ryan family deal where uh, they're kind of bombastic and you know I don't know did he feel that way or was he trying to make a splash to get noticed uh, on uh, on the air uh, to to get his name out there to say oh yeah I'm working right and uh, you know I get it I understand it but I I thought it was interesting this week uh, and I'm going to read a quick little thing here from Ron Rivera the new head coach of the Washington Redskins and they were in on uh, Cooper. They were trying to sign him. And when they asked him about him, and he said, Amari was someone that we chased very hard all the way up to the very end. He decided to return to Dallas. We were in it, and we were talking about substantial money. But at the end of the day, he made a decision uh, he felt that was best, and, and we respect it. Uh, he said, we would have loved to have him as part of what we're trying to do. 
believe he would have been a great veteran presence in our room, especially for those young guys. So Ron Rivera evidently uh, didn't have the same opinion of Amari Cooper uh, as Rex Ryan did. Well, you know how the you know how the Ryans have always been, uh, Spags, and you touched on it earlier. You know, when you're talking about somebody like Cooper, we always look at the exception of his entire great career here in Dallas. So that, that's just always the way it is. And I'm sure he was referring to the Patriots game and those 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 stretch of games that where Cooper was clearly fighting through an injury. And so everyone was looking forward to the matchup between uh, he and the, the uh, Patriots secondary. And just so happened the timing was bad for Cooper because he didn't come through simply, I, I think, simply because of the injury and, of course, the conditions that they had to play in up in New England at that time. But when yeah. you take a look at Amari Cooper's uh, uh, value uh, to the Dallas Cowboys, you can't put a number on that. He turned our entire season around. He turned Dak's entire professional career around because at that time, Dak was up against uh, a lot of variables uh, that uh, were affecting his game and affecting his productivity. Here comes Amari Cooper like Superman. He comes in, he saves the season, saves Dak's career, and now all of a sudden he's a staple for us here in, with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't, I don't mind the fact that he signed early for us at all. Uh, I like the fact that I, I believe that, that Dak feels the same way also, Spags. The fact that uh, your wide receiver, your star wide receiver signs first, you shore him up. I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott doesn't have the same problem with that that Rex Ryan had. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing, you know, and I keep seeing it, and it's always nice when you can take some statistics and you kind of put him in a box and put a bow on top of it with his numbers uh, this past year uh, on the road, not as good as his numbers at home. But I, I think you have to remember, and you need to point out, you need to go in that box, right? And there were two games. One game, now you're going to, it's going to ruin his average because all he did was play three plays against the Jets. He was hurt, he tried to play. Uh, and he played the first series, and that was it. So he didn't have any catches, all right? And then in New England, as Everson just said, no one had a lot of catches in the game. I can't tell. That was one of the most miserable weather days I think I've ever witnessed. Not only did it rain the whole time, the wind is blowing 20 miles an hour, and the rain's coming down in sheets, right? Tom Brady, if you judge Tom Brady's performance off that one game, you would say, oh, I ain't paying him $25 million a year, right? No one, they, <laughs> Not even was, in Tampa. Not yeah, even in Tampa. <laughs> there was one touchdown in the game, and the only reason there was a touchdown in the game is the, is, is the fumble the Cowboys had, right? And the Patriots get the ball at, what, the 12-yard line? Uh, so yes. other than that, no one scored anything. No one was catching the ball. They were trying to run it. It was just miserable. So those are two games. And, you know, you take two games and uh, and put that in eight, now that will really mess up an average. Now, I know some of the other games he didn't perform as well, but as Everson said, there were times he was playing through an injury too, by the way. So go back to the year before and, and, and look at those final eight games, when, uh, nine games he had. 
that he turned around the Cowboys season that was going down the tubes uh, quickly. And, and so, Danny, Danny, I, I must I must add to that, Danny. Uh, the Cowboys this past season, uh, when you look at uh, Amari's numbers, uh, the the amount of catches he had could have been so much more. But we are blessed with a nimble backup tight end who's now a starting tight end. We are blessed with a young man on the other side by the name of Gallup that, that just had a breakout year. We were blessed with uh, uh, Cobb, Randall Cobb to be our slot guy, begging for passes himself. Barely got 55 catches, got his little, little quarter of a million dollar bonus. You had a lot of talent out there that uh, we had a chance to exploit. Even uh, uh, Zeke Elliott had 50-plus catches. So there was a plethora of, of talent out there from the wide receiver position. And Amari Cooper was still extremely impactful for this team. So to me, that says even more about how important he is about this team than it does for uh, the, the previous year when he came in and saved us and doing half the season coming from Oakland. Absolutely, Everson. And also on his character, I mean, we're around these players. And even after those games on the road when Amari wasn't performing well, he knew it. And he would, he would stand up by his locker and he would talk to the media and he would answer every question. And he was holding himself accountable. So I think those comments about his character and, and it's just not true. That's not, that's not who he is. He was holding himself accountable and he knows that he can and needs to be better. Well, Danny Everson will tell you that the Ryan family did never, ever like the Cowboys. And uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Buddy didn't like Tom Landry. Who didn't like Tom Landry, right? Hey, Tom, uh, uh, Buddy didn't even like players that came from the Philadelphia team he was coaching to the Dallas Cowboys. If you recall, yes, uh, <laughs> they had a kicker, Danny. They had a kicker that came, Zendejas was his name, if I'm not mistaken. A kicker that came from Philadelphia to the Dallas Cowboys. So Buddy Ryan wanted to make an example of a kicker. Who makes an example of a kicker? On the opening kick, they targeted the kicker <laughs> during the ball game, pretty much knocked him out of the game. And that was his punishment for leaving the Philadelphia Eagles and going to the Dallas Cowboys. So Buddy Ryan, Rex Ryan, both of those guys, yeah, they got they have a they have a stick up their butt about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> which is which is known to this day as the bounty bowl, right? The bounty bowl. You put a bounty out on a kicker. That's petty. That's petty. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, guys, we're still going to have more to talk about. we got a whole other segment still to dive into things. So, uh, mix shots, stick around with us. We'll have more for you in just a moment. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. 
Get a great deal with America's best network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping. And that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stack from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back, back to mixed Shots. Well, what would mixed Shots be without getting a little Jack Black information here? And this week's special, Get Jacked. You get four product that normally costs $40. It's only $32. And here's what you get. Deep Dive Glycolic Facial Cleanser, Double Duty Face Moisturizer, Eye Balm, and Turbo Wash. All that for $32 if you get go to GetJackBlack.com. Did you say eyeball? Eyeball? Eye Balm. Balm. Oh, Balm. I'm sorry. I thought they had stuff for your eyes. Like, wow. Well, they it is. Very... It's, it's for underneath your eyes, right? In Under- case things start ah, sagging. I could know? use that, yeah. Oh, we my both gosh. Can you guys are too probably. much. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I love your reads, guys. Uh, I love your reads, man. They are great. Uh, mm-hmm. This time last week, guys, we had some breaking news. The Cowboys are trying to fill the loss of defensive end Robert Quinn to free agency, who led the team in sacks last year. They've been trying to find a pass rusher on that right side, and they signed Alden Smith to a one-year deal. Uh, now, remember, he hasn't played football in four seasons, but he is being reunited with Jim Tom Sula, the new Cowboys defensive line coach. And, Mickey, you were able to find out some of those details of his one-year deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was some, you know, when guys sign like that, it's a lot of agent stuff and uh, initially, it was uh, reported as a two-year, $4 million deal. Then it was a one-year, $2 million deal. Well, here's the deal on his contract. and <laughs> The Cowboys really, uh, this is a low-risk uh, uh, opportunity for them uh, and an opportunity for Alden Smith if he gets reinstated. And let's start right there. He's still on reserve suspended. So none of his money is counting against the Cowboys' Uh, salary cap at this point and we got to see if Roger Goodell reinstates him before everybody gets excited about this but what I noticed is uh, basically he's playing for I think he's uh, five five years into the league six years into the league so he's playing for basically the minimum of $910,000 that's it and it's not guaranteed Mm -hmm. so Basically, the Cowboys are betting $910,000. And then the rest of the contract that adds up to $2 million, it's $1.09 million, is all with 
various bonuses, various incentives in the contract that he has to meet. And I'll give you an example. He's got a a bonus for per game, like how many games you play, you get paid so much per game. Uh, You get paid a bonus if he gets reinstated. He gets a bonus if he goes to training camp. Uh, And he gets a bonus if he plays two preseason games. And then he's got bonuses tied to how many sacks uh, he produces, uh, going from, I think it was a minimum of eight to uh, uh, 14. And each level in between, you get extra money. So, again, it's a very, from a financial standpoint, uh, a salary cap standpoint, a low risk uh, that you could get a high reward. But, Everson, boy, for somebody that hasn't played in four years, uh, you just wonder uh, how long it would take him uh, to get back in the swing of things, what his ability still is, and it's compounded by what we're going through right now, possibly no offseason. You know, the thing about this is you, you talk about him being a low-risk sign, but he's a high-risk individual. Uh, this guy had some serious issues uh, when he first started playing ball. You know, he had this amazing start. Well, the first three years, I think he averaged like a sack a game, which is almost unheard of. And uh, along with that, though, was some other things off the field that were also unheard of. I believe he had some uh, issues with alcohol, uh, issues that stemmed from that even. I think it was some domestic abuse problems that he was having that uh, just really ran him out of the league. He ran himself out of the league. Yeah. And so... That's why those incentives are so important because they want to make sure that he stays on point. Uh, You can't look forward. When you have the issues that he's had in life, you can't even look forward to the next day. And so I think those incentives are are stated for that, just for that particular reason. Uh, I don't know what went into this signing. And Spags, I'm going to throw that back to you in a sec. But... Uh, for someone, even as amazing as he was, for someone to get consideration after three, four years of being out of football, there has to be some type of connection there, not just a relationship with the coach, but there has to be a lot of back and forth going on. And even though you're talking about low risk, that's still a million dollars that you're putting out there for a guy that hadn't been in the league for three, four, five years. Uh, to me, he's a, 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 obviously a high-risk individual, and he knows that because he's had his struggles. And so the Cowboys, once again, they're going after some guys that uh, I guess they think that they're worth taking the chance on. And once again, Spags, what was the connection that made them think that this was worth it? You know, I think, number one, it would have been Tom Sula. He had him those first four years in San Francisco, the new Cowboys defensive line coach. And then his his agent is local here in Dallas. So they may had a relationship with him. Uh, now he's been in supposed, you know, going through rehab. Uh, looks like he's getting better. And we'll find out if the NFL thinks he is, uh, you know, made progress to the point where, okay, we'll give you another chance. He's had a lot of chances. You know, I printed out his list of transgressions, uh, and, boy, it's like a dozen. It's a long list. It's a long, it's a long list. list. And, and, and here's the is, thing also, Spags, when you start thinking about the uh, other league, we just, we, we just have a new league here uh, in, the, in, in, in America, 
Uh, we have a new team in Dallas. You know, they've got a, a kid that uh, had his own issues coming out of uh, the uh, out of Carolina. Uh, Alexander, I think his name is Frank Alexander, defensive end uh, for the Dallas team. You know, you would think they would go after guys who are uh, also trying to work their way back into the NFL. And, you know, that could be like a little feeder system for them. So I'm surprised they jumped all the way back to uh, the Alden Smith in San Francisco and they jumped right over uh, some really decent athletes that they have on, on their uh, their Dallas team. Uh, what are they, the Dallas Renegades? The Renegades, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the Renegades. Uh, they, they have some decent talent on that team. I'm surprised they didn't try and sign one of those guys. Like I said, in particular, a guy named Frank Alexander, who had a lot of potential uh, when he signed with Carolina uh, coming out of college. Yeah, and think about this. The, the last time uh, Alden Smith actually played in the game was – uh, around Thanksgiving of 2015. That's a long time. And I don't know, Everson, if I can think of somebody that's been out of the league that long. I've never, never seen it Successfully happen. returned, right? Witten was never out one year, right? He came back. Uh, well, especially now, Jones, if, if we're not Jones have was a- out one year, he came back. But, yeah, and without that offseason, boy, that, that's mm-hmm. going to make this one difficult. But we'll see, because first and foremost, we'll he's got to be reinstated before he does anything. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, Mick, is it would be very, very helpful for him if he got reinstated and had OTAs, mini camps, a training camp, and we just we don't know what the future is going to look like. Uh, that's why we've been doing this virtually, why the Cowboys have been doing this virtually, and why the NFL announced this week that the draft is going to be virtual. So that'll be something that we'll have to keep our minds on. Uh, real quick about the draft, it's going to be all virtual, like we've been seeing those behind-the-scenes interviews. Real quick, each of you, what is uh, what concerns you the most about that or what excites you the most? What's one thing? Well, the, the all-star of, of these, uh, this virtual draft is going to be the IT departments because they got to be perfect, right, to keep the <laughs> connections going, keep the phones going, keep the video going. And, and I know for a fact that these guys are working night and day uh, to, to coordinate because all the coaches, uh, the scouts, whatever, they're all going to be in separate places. So they're going to be like us doing the draft. Uh, you know, what we're doing right now, you know, doesn't uh, have anything to do with winning and losing, right? Uh, but uh, th- this is going to be serious important. And, and I was reading a story yesterday, Everson, that they said that they were going to try and do a dry run, like have a mock draft to make sure all 32 teams are hooked up together and they can communicate. They can communicate with the NFL office. Uh, they would have an open conference call line for everybody to use. Uh, boy, that's a lot to coordinate. But again, uh, and, and I think the, the tough thing will be, how are you going to make trades? You know, the con- the, the conversations back and forth, and uh, you're on a video board, but you're going to be on your phone. <laughs> and that's true. Oh, okay. I think ever since John so, got so see that, that that's a concern. That's a yes, concern see, for these virtual what, drafts. What if, what if Jerry Jones drops off in the middle of the draft, right? Uh, oh, gosh. Or Stephen Jones. And so, yeah, that, that, that's the difficulty of this whole thing. So, uh, you know what? Uh, I remember reading this book. I think I was back in high school, Brave New World. And we are certainly in a 
brave new world situation here trying to conduct an NFL draft over uh, the seven rounds uh, without everybody meeting in person. Yeah, it'll definitely be a a change for everyone, but hopeful that the Cowboys uh, will be able to still do their jobs to the best of their ability. Uh, That's going to unfortunately do it for us. I think Everson uh, might have popped off, but Mickey, thanks for letting Everson and I pop on with you this week. We hope you guys had as much fun as we did. Uh, Stay tuned to DallasCowboys.com. The draft show is coming up live at 11 in the morning, and the draft is two weeks away from today, so that crew is definitely going to have plenty to talk about. For Mickey Spagnola, Everson Walls, I'm Danny Sarah. Thanks for watching Mix Shots. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?